force be with you. Always. What's up, guys? I'm Daniel Logan, Boba Fett from Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, and The Clone Wars. You will listen to Call the Portion Podcast. Who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Hello and welcome to the Quarter Portion Podcast, the only Star Wars podcast that puts Captain Solo in the cargo hold. Uh, my name is Chris DeHoog, and uh, this week I am joined by the man himself, Jay Bartlett. How are you doing, buddy? Chris, what's up, my brother? Thanks for having me again, man. It's been, uh, been a while, but I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, it seems like years since we've chatted, since all the craziness going on right now. Yeah, I think our last time was that storybook last summer. Uh, I think when I was on your show, I mean, we talk, of course, like yeah, bones and stuff, but uh, on the show, yeah, it's been a long time, it feels like. Yeah, actually, yeah, it would have been July because we're talking about Sith Troopers and what could all this mean? And now that's just like, yeah, that's all behind us now. Have we not talked since Rise of Skywalker? That's a good point, actually. Yeah, like, what what did you think of Rise of Skywalker, just kind of briefly? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. Um, and, and it's funny because there was a lot of unanswered questions still, but since the novelization leaks, uh, have come out they've answered a lot of questions and most people aren't okay with that they think jj should have explained things better like palpatine was a clone right off the bat uh and yes that would have helped but i'm just grateful that we got those answers period does that make sense yeah for sure like, I, like, I, I totally get that like the cloning thing i kind of assumed that's what was going on like that was it's kind of it's all there they'll come out and say it yeah but i mean for for like the casual star wars fan you know they know Palpatine is the bad guy, right? And, you know, why are his fingers crispy? Why is he stuck onto this crane thing? Well, it's because any body that they clone isn't strong enough to hold his power, so it literally decays right before his eyes kind of thing. And I think the way they worded that in the novel, they should have explained that a bit better. And I think there was a line that Kylo says to him, too, that was cut out, actually, where he just flat out calls him a clone. Right, yeah, yeah. um, Ian McDermott himself, I think, mentioned that one. Yeah, I mean, little things like that. Um, I have a few little gripes, not many, but the, the movie, it goes at the speed of light. It's probably one of the most jam packed, fastest movies I've ever seen. As you know, man, yeah, there's, there's so much in every, you know, little second of that film that you don't have time to process what happened before you're kind of on to the next thing. Right. Yeah. And since that is the last Skywalker saga um, episode i thought it would have been really cool if they did like a marvel avengers thing where they did part one and part two i don't see why they couldn't have done that yeah actually that's something we talked about on the show before um pat was kind of like vehemently against it but uh <laughs> would have been kind of neat to uh to, to do that and have like you know 10 still a nice round number um yeah you know, to, to actually take the time and really get into all the things they kind of just blasted through in this one would have been yeah. nice but uh i'm still kind of changing my mind every time i kind of like rewatch part of it or something um, like I, I definitely still enjoy it. Like it's a fun one to watch. If I stop and think too much about it, I'm like, well, why didn't why didn't they do this or why did they do this at all? The only lingering thing I have a problem with, um, there's there's really two. One is the misdirection of Chewbacca. Yeah, they kind of did the the Marion switch baskets from Raiders, right? And it happened so quick that you, it was I was devastated, of course, when. Chewbacca, you know, exploded in the ship, or you're supposed to have. But literally five minutes later, and I think it is literally five minutes later, you find out that he's not dead. It's like I haven't even had time to process the grief of this character that I grew up with, and all all, all of a sudden he's back. Yeah, that was a little cheap. Yeah, that still doesn't sit quite 
right for me tonally. Like that's just I had like I, I had the knee jerk reaction of oh my god they killed him, but then wait a minute no this isn't right. There's something missing here, and yeah sure enough they just kind of walk it back lazily afterwards. Well I think you know we've been fans forever, so I think we're kind of like okay who's gonna get it in this one? You know who's gonna not make it? Obviously the the obvious choice would have been Lando, but he survives. Um, and the the only other thing that doesn't sit well is the the kiss at the very end of the movie. Oh yeah. I, I don't understand it. To, like they they kind of hint at it right when they have that intimate scene in the last Jedi where they're connecting to the Force and holding hands and all that. But I never really I never got like a a, a love affair between those two. Did you get that feeling? It just kind of was you know, kind of like it felt like it was just tacked on like okay, this is what everyone has wanted to see, so here you go. Yeah, um I had a weird vibe on them all the way through. Like, I, I could have seen it go either way. Like, uh, I, I, I could see how they could make them, like, romantically involved, and I could see how they could just not touch upon that at all. Um, and either way, I think I would have been fine. Like, there's there's room there for her to hate his guts forever, and there's room yeah. there for him, for her to embrace Ben Solo instead of Kylo Ren. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have any problems with the kiss myself. Like, I still kind of see that as, like, okay, there's their, their one moment of Ben and Rey. Yeah, and I have no problem him sacrificing his life for hers. I don't have a problem with the Force heal either, because I don't want to call it a new power, because it's been around before, but it explains why Rey is so powerful, right? But I just wish that, you know, it would have been cool if Ben just sacrificed himself and that was it. And then you can kind of carry on in your own imagination, your own story, what you think, you know what I mean? But instead, Mm. they kind of just gave it to you. And she kisses him too, which really made me confused. Because he's pursuing her the whole film. He's trying to kill her or whatever he's trying to do. And then at the end, she kisses him. And at first, I thought it was like, wow, you saved my life. Thank you. But no, that's a that's a romantic kiss, 100%. Yeah, that, that's not that's not a friendship thing, for no. sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be a totally different read on it, too, if he kissed her. Like, that's a different scenario altogether. It's a good point. Um, I love the, the Ray Skywalker thing, despite what most people think. I, I got teary-eyed when she said that. I thought it made perfect sense. How it's like she embraces the destiny she wants, not the one she's given, and the people that meant something to her. And because your name is Palpatine and blood doesn't mean that's your family, right? So, absolutely, yeah, and that ties into the whole found family thing that runs through so many things in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, like it, all, it all ties in. Did Did you get the vibe from from the end of that movie though that she was staying on Tatooine? Because a lot of people read that scene that Ray was choosing to live on Tatooine. And I didn't get that vibe at all. I thought it was just this quick moment. No, I mean, it didn't make sense why Leia's saber was buried when she had nothing to do with Tatooine. It, it, you know what I mean? She's not going to go to... She can't go to Alderaan, obviously. So it's like, <laughs> she got to bury them together. But um, no, I didn't get that vibe at all. Like, I think the last place she wants to be is another sand planet, right? Absolutely, yeah. Like, if, if she wasn't going to go back to a sand planet, just go back to Jakku. Like, you know that place anyways. Here's a question for you, though. She, she, ha- she gets the Falcon... And she gets BB-8. How does that work? I don't know if maybe if BB-8 was just there like on loan, like he wanted to come with her or something. Like that's that was kind of strange. Like I kind of just chalked it up to you. Okay, they wanted to put him in the shot with her. That's it. Would have made more sense if if Dio became her droid, since he was there when her parents were killed, and and uh, Dio was on OG ship and all that. It, that made more sense to me. But the the way that Poe is so protective of BB-8, it was just kind of weird that okay, all of a sudden now. He's with Rey at the end. And the Falcon, I guess, to some degree, because that's kind of the Skywalker ship-ish, right? So, Well, and who's left to take it besides Chewbacca? And, you know, who's to say that he's not there with her too, right? Like, 
That's true. And I mean, yeah, Lando wouldn't take it back, obviously, after all this, but and of course these are just these are just minor gripes I have. I, I enjoyed the film overall. I've watched it several times. And I, I really liked it. I, again, it's like I've said from the beginning of our conversations as friends, you know, it's like, you know, what do you want? What do people want? It's easy to watch something that's finished and then pick it apart and say, oh, I would have done this, I would have done that. But you got to think of the the immense pressure of writing one of these films mm-hmm. and how you have to cater to millions and millions of people. And you know when you're writing this that there's going to be a ton of people that aren't going to agree with you, Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way they could write this movie and make everybody happy. There's no way. And I it's think not, it's not possible. Palpatine, it made sense to, to bring back. And I guess he was never really gone, which is cool. But um, he's been the villain from the very beginning. And it's a nice tie. And, you know, he's there from episode one all the way to the end of nine. And, you know, he was through Snoke, you know, cloning the Snokes and trying to get the perfect vessel and Again, the novel explains why Snoke is all messed up because channeling through Palpatine's force energy, you know, no body can hold it. Mm-hmm. So the bodies decay. I, I, I really dug that. But anyway, that's my yeah. two points, man. <laughs> yeah, like the, whole, the whole, like the whole Palpatine thing, like there's, there's a lot of people tempted to blame Ryan Johnson for that. But I'd say, you know, JJ, you wrote the first part of this. You set up Snoke. Like you could have done more to put Palpatine in there if that was his goal yeah. all along. So yeah, it would have been cool. And it's almost, you know, of course, I don't. I wish I was a fly on the wall at these Disney meetings, but it doesn't seem like Ryan and JJ collaborated on a lot. I, I just sat there and complained about how easy it is to say oh, I would have done this. Mm-hmm. That, that, <laughs> that being said, wouldn't it have been cool at the end of Episode Eight? The reason why nobody is answering Leia's call is because Palpatine just put out this across the galaxy. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Like if it ended where Palpatine did this transmission and that's why no one's coming to help them? Because they're afraid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And like so much of this movie comes back to to losing Carrie Fisher after filming episode eight. Like they had the movie in the can and then Carrie passed. Yeah. Like that that was the biggest thing affecting this movie, I think, is that they tried or they had to scramble to fit her in and to make you know the story that they had set up which we, we won't we won't get into the into that other script at this time because i haven't actually read it and it does sound like it's wildly different that's a whole other kettle of fish but mm. they had this whole other drastically different plan in place and then they lost a key actor for it so they had to kind of scramble and put this in place and yeah it's kind of a case of not collaborating kind of a case of making the best of a bad situation yeah absolutely what a challenge that must be as a as a filmmaker to have to use cut footage from the previous two movies in order to piece together something. While some of the the dialogue is maybe a little dry or awkward, I, I never once said, oh yeah, that's just weird. It kind of fit for me. It fit well enough, at least, yeah. Like, it yeah. totally wasn't natural because she would have played the scenes a lot differently, but yeah. it also felt enough like her. In 10 years, if you show someone who's never seen Star Wars before this movie, they might not know that she passed between installments, right? Like, it's almost enough to fit to pass that test. And the, the way the dialogue was written, too, a lot of the characters that she was speaking to uh, said her almost her lines for her. Do you know what I mean? Like, they explained more. So, I don't know. I, I'm not articulating that very well. They, all, they almost said what her lines should have been, but she couldn't obviously speak them. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, they had to kind of lead her on and then yep, take there it from there. Exactly. It's a good movie, man. I'm just kind of glad that it's over because I think Star Wars needs a break. That part of Star Wars needs a break. I know as a fan, I do. 
because I'm sick of defending this thing. <laughs> I've always said it's not perfect, but it's entertainment, man. You know, I don't expect it to be perfect. But uh, as long as you enjoy it, that's all that matters. And if you don't enjoy it, then move on to something you do enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll redirect the energy somewhere else. But anyways, originally we were going to talk about the, the finale of The Clone Wars mm-hmm. wrapping up. We'll get to that. But breaking news here, we have, well, I'm not sure that how, how, how official it is at this point. Uh, because these days we get Sony reports saying, oh, so-and-so is doing this, or devel- they're developing that, and you know, all these things don't come to pass because the news gets out too early, and you know, Lucasfilm is still percolating things. But uh, over the past couple of days, we've had news via The Hollywood Reporter that Tamora Morrison is supposed to be returning as Boba Fett for The Mandalorian Season 2. So how do you feel about that to stop the hop? Well, I know how you feel about fake news as you're... A very big advocate for <laughs> for posting about your distaste for that, and I'm with you there. Oh, it, it had the official breaking uh, graphic on it, so it's got to be right. It's got to be official, right? Absolutely, yeah. No. Um, it doesn't seem like the kind of reveal that would make sense, considering um, I think it's episode five of the Mandalorian where they go to Tatooine. I think it's five, five or six. Yeah, it might, yeah. Yeah, it might be five. Yeah. And I, I forget the character's name, but uh, she's killed. At the end of the episode, you hear the spurs and you see, you know, person's legs kind of walk and crouch down. And they never did wrap that up at the end of season one. We never did find out who that was. So there was two two people who could have been. It could have been Boba Fett or it could have been Cad Bane. You know, the two with spurs in Star Wars. Okay. It could have been a new character, but I think the way it was hidden, if we got a new character, would be disappointing. Mm-hmm. So the way they kept that hidden, it doesn't make sense that they would just do a press release and say, hey, Boba Fett is alive. Like, that is so disappointing to me. Wouldn't it be so much cooler if you... And, and don't tell me Star Wars uh, actors can't keep secrets. They all can. <laughs> They're paid to do that. Some more than others, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. And, and, you know, Daniel Logan has been, like constantly constantly posting about how he wants to reprise boba fett and how he wants to be boba fett so i i don't know what to think of it i praise the mandalorian i I praise it quite highly because it's kind of stepped away from a lot of the familiar stuff uh and to bring boba fett back and to bring ahsoka back I, i don't know it's just like we've seen enough of that like i want new stories now if this child ties back to palpatine that's fine but I don't, I don't need to see Boba Fett again. You know what I mean? And as much as I like Ahsoka, do we need to see her again? It, they're, they're playing it safe. And it's like John Favreau did such an amazing job of the first season by staying away from a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, to your point about it being like an underwhelming reveal, like that's the problem with these these unofficial sources or like, or these stories coming out of anybody but Lucasfilm or like the official Star Wars website. Like earlier in the week, we got the news about the the new Taika Waititi project. Um, yeah. And that came yeah. down the channel from StarWars.com. There had been really no rumblings about that beforehand. Like I didn't see anything about that. They also announced a, like a new Disney Plus series uh, headed by, I'm blanking on, on the woman's name, but, but anyways, that, that had been rumored. And they officially confirmed that. But like every week we get some new clickbait title saying, oh, they're, Lucasfilm is developing this. Like particularly like the, the Revan stories, like Old Republic. Yeah. That gets yeah. that gets thrown around all the time. And yeah. it's like, well, these stories may be getting kicked around in Lucasfilm's office. But, you know, when you say they're being developed, that doesn't mean it's actually being green lit. Like it doesn't mean it's a, it's a go. So like right. maybe they're talking about getting Tamora on board for Mandalorian season two. 
Although I, I guess I guess they would have had to film up by this point. They finished principal photography. But anyways, you know, like maybe they've been talking about doing this or that with with Tamora. It's not official yet. They're not ready to announce it. But the Hollywood Reporter comes in and says, "Oh." blasted all over the internet and says, oh, he's coming back for blah, 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 blah. Yeah. As for, like, how it uh, would affect Mandalorian Season 2, like, if you look at how they did Season 1, where it's, like, there's, there's an overarching narrative to it, but, they like, each episode was kind of its own story, right? You know, Episode 3 or so, like, you introduce Cara Dune, and she's, like, seems like a one-and-done-in one character, and then comes back later on in the season is quite important for what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think they could do this, something similar with both Boba Fett and Ahsoka, especially since the, at the end of the first season, they started to talk, to talk about the Jedi and stuff and kind of introduce that whole idea of these warlocks to the Mandalorian. We know he needs to take the child to the Jedi, and that pretty much means either Luke or Ahsoka at this point, in terms of who we know are Jedi that exist at this time. So like that makes sense. But I, I, like, I, I don't see this being, like, a huge part of the show going forth. Like, I, like, I don't see her being, like, a regular character, if that makes sense. It, it does. And I guess that's kind of how I felt when um, Moff Gideon, when he brought up the Darksaber at the very end. Right. As cool as it was to see the Darksaber, I'm just like, okay. I was kind of glad that we weren't going down that route. I mean, um, the child obviously is a Force user. It's Star Wars. You're not going to get away with not having the force in it. Okay. So I'm fine with that, but now you're bringing in the dark saber. So then you're bringing in the whole Mandalorian backstory. You're bringing in Ahsoka, you're bringing in, uh, you know, maybe Sabine. And I just, I don't want to see that again. We've, we've seen all of that. Mm-hmm. Rebels was fantastic. They did a fantastic job. Clone Wars. And again, I know we're going to talk about the last season, but it's laughable when you think about Boba Fett and Ahsoka standing together. Ahsoka would destroy him. Like, it's not even a challenge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I don't know what kind of threat he's going to be. Maybe to Din himself. I don't know. But uh... yeah, like, it's, it's strange too because there's so many different ways that well, both characters could be used, but especially Boba Fett. There's always been room for him to come back. Right. And there's a whole scandal about his actual claim to being a Mandalorian. Like, there's a character early on in the Clone Wars who says, oh, the Fets aren't Mandalorians. They stole the armor and all that stuff. Kind of cast some dispersions on their authenticity as Mandalorians. And that's canon too, yeah. So, like, the, since they're playing in the Mandalorian lore the way that they are, where they have this very devout clan that that din was brought into it it makes a lot of sense to me anyways to bring in sabine because she's from this very different (laughs) sort of mandalorian clan her her family's approach to being mandalorian or at least her personal approach where she's decorating her armor and everything like that i could see that being a very interesting clash to him who has this almost like religious zeal for being mandalorian uh having them clash would be interesting and um boba fett as one of the few remaining mandalorians potentially since you know we know they've all been purged you know, having him come in and get like the, they're having a clash of philosophies there as well would be interesting. Kind of seems like it's inevitable to me. Like if he is alive in the new legend or in the new canon, it makes sense for for them to to cross paths at some point. And and where has he been hiding? It's, so it's six years after Return of the Jedi, probably seven. He's got to be honestly. Let's think about this. Forget the armor. He's got to be the most recognizable guy in the galaxy. There was literally millions of clones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's a clone. Like, <laughs> He looks like the clones, so it's not like he's going to be hiding anywhere. You know, there's a handful, like Rex is alive and stuff. There's a handful still left. But, uh, yeah, where has he been hiding? And has he really stayed on Tatooine this whole time? Well, it's funny, actually, that you mentioned Rex, too, because that's the other possibility for Tamara Morrison would be to play Rex himself, because Tamara is 
almost 60, so he's a far better fit age-wise to play Rex, who has aged considerably, yeah. uh, versus yeah. Boba Fett, who would be about 42 or so. I think I was, I was checking the math out earlier. And, that, and again, that's assuming that Boba Fett takes his mask off, which is not a given in any way. Right. If they did take the mask off, I'm a little biased, i got to admit, but I would like to see Daniel Logan <laughs> take uh take the mask off and reveal himself as the guy behind the armor yeah and daniel's great daniel's really great and he's shown time and again as you know that he's embraced the character and the fandom and he loves boba fett right so it makes sense but you have to serve the story so Mm -hmm. i don't want them to do a bunch of makeup on daniel because yeah tomorrow is very unique looking right so it would make more sense for him to do it I guess we'll just have to see. But getting back to the original point and to find out that Boba Fett is alive, okay? All these years, since 1983, right? Is Boba Fett, did he die or did he not die? To, to have it finally answered in some kind of official way in a news flash on Facebook, it's kind of, it's really sickening considering how tight-lipped everyone at Disney is about anything Star Wars. You know, Mark Hamill goes on a million interviews and he never says anything. Well, and, and they kept Baby Yoda's secret, too. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, dude. I never knew anything about that until I saw the episode. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, and if you told me beforehand that that was going to be a big part of the show, I would have been very skeptical of the whole project in the first place. Yeah. But the way they did it like, was fantastic. And if and again, I'm, I'm going off of clickbait people here again. But like, if, if they had kept Boba Fett's reveal a secret until you know episode three or four of the new season how cool would that have been by comparison to it just kind of being leaked out there just by just by proximity of what the mandalorian show is people are expecting to see boba fett at some point that's just i mean the whole reason why the show is popular is because of boba fett right Mm -hmm. it was essentially this character that wasn't really used for anything boba fett just looked damn cool man he didn't do much in (laughs) star wars he really didn't I'm not talking about Clone Wars. I'm talking about the films. He didn't really do anything. He looked, he was a cool space cowboy, and every kid wanted to be him because he was badass. You know, he's a, an astronaut and a cowboy crossed together, right? Yeah. I really hope just overall that if it serves the story, it should be in there. But I don't want them just to jam in Boba Fett because fans want to see Boba Fett. Yeah, and I get the sense that Filoni and Favreau would do it right. If they're gonna bring him in, they're gonna they're gonna handle it properly. Yeah. Like as 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 much as the show can kind of feel like John Favreau was bashing his old action figures together and, and made this story, it did serve its own story very well. Like it wasn't just an IG eighty eight copy; it was like this own unique droid who became one of the most interesting characters on the show. Mm-hmm. I agree. Every homage they've paid has been has paid off for some purpose, and the season one on its own is a very tight very enjoyable and compelling series in its own right so i have high hopes anyways for what they'll do with it but like i said i'm, I'm not putting too much faith in it or too much stock in it in, in him showing up a lot like I, I don't see him being you know a main character ongoing going back to the ndas that everyone that works on star wars you know the janitors that work on the sets have to sign NDAs for God's sake. So <laughs> nothing is going to come out unless Disney wants it to. Disney yeah. wants us to know Boba Fett is in it and Tamara is back in it. We're going to know. If they don't, we're not going to know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Again, is it because, you know, no one's talking about Mandalorian as much right now because it's in the off season, but it's hard to say, man. And uh, I'm with you on the clickbait. I think social media is bad for that. And sucks <laughs> yeah it's just one of the things we have to deal with these days yeah i'll make one final 
point actually about Daniel. He mentioned when we interviewed him that that Filoni himself, or or was it Lucas? Anyways, he was brought back by either Filoni or Lucas specifically for the Clone Wars. Like he was going to audition and everything, but you know they wanted him specifically. There was no one else they were considering for him to play young Boba. So. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. With Filoni at the wheel, like I have hopes that you know if they do take his mask off, it would be kind of cool to have him back in there. And the, and the other thing that was pointed out to me too was that uh, Tamura actually redubbed the lines for Boba Fett in uh, I think it was like the Blu-ray releases. Yeah. yeah. So and that was something I'd kind of forgotten about over the years. It's all kind of just glossed together in my mind. So if it yeah. is just him talking and it's any stunt guy in a suit like they did with Mandalorian half the time, you know, it's easy for him to just come in and. ADR the lines. You know what's funny is if you were to tell me 10 years ago that one of the two guys from the movie Swingers was going to be one of the showrunners for Star Wars, I would have laughed in your face. And he would have knocked the ball at the park too. Like he would have been really damn good at it too. Yeah, this guy is an intricate, (laughs) he's an integral part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's in control of one of the biggest Star Wars franchises of all time. I would have laughed. But John Favreau and Dave Fellini are, I have no doubts. With those two guys at the helm, I think they're brilliant. I think uh, I've called Fellini Lucas's apprentice for years, and uh, he's quickly becoming the master. Definitely. Um, getting into Clone Wars whenever you are ready, but that last season is just all fan service, right? But in a good way. Speaking of the Clone Wars, well, well, first we'll just take a break for a word from our sponsor and a tune from the Cantina Band. Do you have a vision for a cosplay prop, novelty item, or other project, but don't know how to make it without breaking the bank? Nerdful Things has you covered. Ontario's 3D printing experts are committed to quality and affordability. They can forge everything from convention-friendly prop weapons to masks and helmets to small embellishments like belt buckles or pauldrons. You might even find a unique nerdy gift for friends. Check out their gallery and request a quote at www.nerdfulthings3d.com. We also have a special shout-out for our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Barry Norton. By becoming a backer for as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to bonus content like previews, looks behind the scenes and outtakes, and polls to help shape the future of our network. Or at the $5 tier, you can get a shout-out in each episode, as well as other future perks. For more info on this, check out patreon.com slash quarterportionpodcast. Now back to the show. Alright, so yeah, the main thing we were going to talk about when we first <laughs> set up to this episode... Uh, Clone Wars Season 7 and the series itself just wrapped up this past week. What did you think of, of the new season? It, it was great. It was uh, exciting. Um, are we allowed to talk spoilers? Um, or would you prefer not to? I kind of feel like there's not a lot to spoil, per se. And But anyways, at, at this point, we'll just consider this. Here's your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Season 7 of The Clone Wars, yeah, here's your chance to pause and come back later. Because uh, we're going to dive full in here, so... Yeah, I think the biggest spoiler of them all was, uh, you know, I've been staying away from people's reviews and thoughts and stuff. The biggest spoiler was when I put on Disney Plus and Darth Maul was the the template. I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess he's in. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, way to go, Disney. I didn't know, but I do now. (laughs) He's going to be here at some point. So this series is broken down to basically three stories. Um, The first story with the Bad Batch was okay. I, I still find it interesting that they re- write these clones and they can still make changes to them. Like it's essentially the same character, but they still find ways to make them interesting. Uh, the Bad Batch story was cool. Um, I liked Echo returning. I thought that was neat. 
but it wasn't super memorable for me. So I don't know if you want to go part by part or how you want to do yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. That's a great way to do it. For me, the clones are, are interesting. And like you said, they've done a great job over the years of giving them individual personalities. But you know, halfway through the first episode, I think, and it was all just action, I kind of tuned out a little bit, I got to say. And I didn't actually finish the la- or episodes three and four because right. I, I was I was going to see how the rest of the season played out. Clone Wars has never been, I'll, I'll be honest, has never been my favorite show or my favorite part of the Star Wars canon. Like there's a lot of great stuff in there, like the Mortis arc. They do a lot of great stuff on Mandalore, a lot of a lot of great storylines in there. But I've, I've always kind of felt that each arc goes on too long. And mm. it was exactly the same case for this season for me. That could have been three episodes and maybe got in, you know, one of the other storylines that left on the cutting room floor, like Boba Fett. Um, that's one of the that's one of the animatics they've shown up at conventions, like the things they were going to do to finish off Boba's little story arc. And yeah. there's like there's probably probably three or four other storylines they left kind of just on the sidelines. Would have been neat to get those in the show instead of spending four episodes watching the clones blow stuff up. As cool as it is, and it's like as great as of, of a job as they did with those episodes, I just didn't really care that much, per se. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you there to a certain degree. I don't want to say that it's that I didn't care, but the, the most interesting part of Star Wars, to me, as an adult, now is the dialogue. So I find it much more uh, interesting... And entertaining when two characters like when obi-wan and ahsoka are talking near the end like you're just glued to the tv right mm-hmm. but yeah like you can only see like clones being blown away by the droids so many times we've seen this for seven seasons now plus we know how it ends so that's always been the part of the clone wars for me it's like well you know who's gonna die and who's gonna live or something's gonna happen with this character because they're not in revenge of the sith right mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i thought the middle story with the two sisters was much more interesting although i found that that one went on a little bit too long yeah and, and again like i was thinking the same thing could have been three episodes especially since like in the one episode they break out of jail and then at the end of the episode they're just back in the same literally the same jail cell and it's like well some of this just felt unnecessary and just kind of drawn out i don't want to use the word filler because that's not that's not the case it just was too long for me personally and you know they could have done the same things much more succinctly but you know the storyline itself is kind of neat seeing having ahsoka see the galaxy from that perspective and you know taking a break it's, it's funny it's been years since clone wars was on but you know in universe it hasn't been that long since she left the jedi order so now she's out there on her own she's seeing the universe from the, the perspective of people living on 1313 this infamous uh yeah, underbelly yeah. Of, of Coruscant. It felt kind of disjointed for me watching season seven isolated, but if, if, if I was to go back and watch the series front to back, I think it'd be a different perspective. Yeah, and it's interesting. What I've always loved about the Clone Wars is going to these areas. Like, that whole story arc, a lot of it takes place, well, at least that first episode takes place in the, the slums of Coruscant, which is, is great. I want to see more of that. You know, that's why... I like it. You know, you don't know much about, say, like, uh, K.A.D. Mundi, but then they have an episode all about him, right? So I, yeah. I really dig that about Clone Wars. So I like seeing uh, the lower levels of Coruscant and and how horrible the conditions are and how everyone who lives above the ground is, like, rich and better off and that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, it went on a little too long. Uh, the sisters, I didn't I didn't mind their characters. They were a little valley girlish at some points. And I've always kind of wrestled with, well, is this show for adults or for kids? And it, it, it's wrestled with that itself, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah, like there's a lot of bad violence. Like there's limbs that get cut off and squashed and people get shot in the head and droids get shot in the head. And I mean, R2 units too, which was kind of shocking to see. But um yeah, it's always kind of wrestling with, is this a kid show or not? It's like, go one way, full, or the other. And let's be honest. I, I mean, I don't know, man. Are kids watching this? 
like because I think this is for forty-year-olds. That's <laughs> what I've always thought, but I, I don't know, right? Or at least you know the kids who grew up watching the prequels like this is at least for them at the youngest i know i wouldn't show my daughter this and she's almost five and like resistance is a safer show but even even that gets into you know there's a few episodes that i've kind of scared her with you know there's one set in a sith temple and things like that but yeah no i, I probably wouldn't show her this series or at least i would be very careful of what i did show her at this point point. and i can't see any kids just starting off on season seven and being entertained i mean there is quite a bit of dialogue in it anyway we're kind of going off here but I just wish they would fully commit to one or the other. There's points where they're doing like you know all the horrible violence against the droids and things. And if they'd been human people, you know that'd be a very different tone. But while they're you know, dismembering droids, they're also playing into the slapstick violence of it all. Like it's just it's that's yeah. always been kind of present in Star Wars to a point in the, in the prequels, anyways. But it's it was just dialed up even more in the, in the Clone Wars. So like it's, yeah. it's simultaneously trying to serve both audiences, and I'm not sure how much is actually paying off for either one. Right, right, yeah. That storyline was was all well and good, but ultimately it was just there for Ahsoka to meet up with uh, with Bo Katan again and get involved with Maul. Yeah, so. The, the third and final story arc is the last four episodes, and wow, did they up the production from the last eight episodes. Just overall, too, like the whole season looked a lot better than previous seasons. Like That was one of the things the show got ripped for when it first started, was this art style. But yeah. by this point, it's fully realized. People complaining about it back then would have very little to say now, I think. And it's it's kind of always like, you know, if you go back and watch the first season of The Simpsons, compared oh, to <laughs> The Simpsons even ten years, like, it's almost unwatchable. Uh, the Clone Wars has got to that. I didn't think they would, but it's so good. There's a lot of shots of Maul early on with the hood, and you swear it's Ray Park. I mean, I know he doesn't voice him, but like it looks like an actual actor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so well. The computer graphics are so well done, and the production value is just through the roof. Man. The lighting so. in certain scenes with the lightsaber blades and things like that. Yeah, it was just phenomenal in that regard. There was people, I believe it was Sam Whitworth saw the episodes before they were released, and he said something about having felt like he had watched one of the best Star Wars movies ever made, even though it's four separate episodes of, of, of a Star Wars TV show. Yeah, it almost feels like those last four were almost built for that, but then they kind of decided not to. They, like, they almost could have done just these four episodes as a movie, and, you know, in the, in the same way that they started the show with the Clone Wars movie. They could have finished it off with a Clone Wars movie, The Siege of Mandalore. Yeah. Yeah, and it's what a great tie into the the series as well, Mandalorian. And let's talk about what we love. The first thing that sticks out is the old school Lucasfilm logo. Yeah, that was a nice touch. I was like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> and the old Star Wars logo too for the Clone Wars. That just melted me. I'm trying to think of, of, of individual things. I was just kind of riveted to the whole thing for the first three episodes, anyways. Episode four was kind of its own thing because you had, like you had to resolve the action of them breaking free from the clones. But again, like you know how it ends, and there's just this whole depressing weight over the whole thing. Not that it was yeah. a bad thing, but it had a very different tone yeah. in itself. It's funny how you how you referenced uh, John Favreau as playing with his action figures because there's a lot of toy references in this. I don't know if you caught them all. The blue snaggletooth. Did you see that? I didn't know, but you'd have a much better eye for these things than I would. There's a blue snaggletooth, which was the uh, the Sears Cantina exclusive. Came with a blue snaggletooth that was much too tall, and that was because they didn't get the actual production notes for the character. They just got a very rough drawing, so they made him big. Anyway, they had a blue snaggletooth in there, and Mom Nadon, who's the original Hammerhead, they actually had the way he looks like the original Kenner figure with just the blue little tunic on, and I was just like, oh, that's awesome, man. So cool. So John Favreau got out his action figures. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, yeah, I'll play with mine. You got a blue snaggle tooth? I do, so here we go. 
It's very cool, man. It's you can't not mention the, the lightsaber battle between Ahsoka and Maul. Yeah. Um, phenomenal. Like one well, that's one of the best lightsaber duels I've I've seen. And again, involving Maul too. Yeah, and you have the great good versus evil dialogue in the uh, the Mandalorian throne room. You know, it's perfect before all the action starts. And what a, what a cool way to finish it too. Like they're all kind of on like balance beams. Yeah, that's that, that's a very prequel thing too, right? Like this really felt like a prequel fight. And like yeah. you know, yeah, you, you, you all these impressive feats and lightsaber twirling, and then you get involved in this weird, dangerous setting for the fight, and very fitting duel for the prequel era. People were playing, or were kind of comparing it to Revenge of the Sith and trying to like interject the events. So after Episode Two came out, and this was later proven to be the wrong timing, someone played the fight over the scene in Palpatine's office when when Anakin basically falls, and yep. the way they had it lined up, like it, it felt like that was very much intentional on Favreau's part. Even though you know we later on realized that that's not what was happening concurrently, Filoni probably took the time to you know line those scenes up. Yeah, they they did it really well with musical cues. For anyone who knows their Star Wars, you know exactly what's happening in Revenge of the Sith because of the music. We should say first of all, if you haven't seen this, uh, the last little bit's really cool because it runs parallel with Revenge of the Sith. So all the events of Revenge of the Sith that are happening, you kind of see where Ahsoka was at that time and what she was doing because everyone's always said. Okay, where's Ahsoka, you know, during all of this? What happened to her? So we finally get to find out. Um, and yeah, the musical cues really, okay, so he's in Palpatine's office. Okay, now he's Darth Vader. Okay, now Obi-Wan's defeated him. Like, it's really cool, man. People are, are still going on trying to, like, you know, mash all the scenes together. Like, I, I saw something on Reddit. Someone's trying to combine all the pieces of of the battle and, uh, like, like, the Siege of Mandalore and everything happening with order 66 and uh in Palpatine's office and all that until one big super cut and that would, that would be really interesting to see it all kind of play out against like across the various mediums like right back to the very first clone wars cartoon in 2003 oh yeah the the uh, samurai jack writer i can't remember his name that clone wars is fantastic those little shorts we got yeah they're like one two minute episodes yeah that was great but you actually see why grievous coughs and why he's hunched over and why he's not doing really anything Right, because he can't, because Mace crushes his chest right, right before. Right, yeah. It's so cool, man. I don't know if you caught this or not. I'm sure you did. But when um, Maul is addressing the crime syndicates, did you see he was talking to Dryden Voss? I did notice that, yeah. That was a really cool I was like, cool dude! <laughs> yes! yes. <laughs> so good. It's actually kind of neat that they've been able to come back and tell the final part of this story now, after, after everything else. So yeah. like, if they had concluded the series back then, you know, they couldn't have necessarily brought Maul into Solo because, you know, they would have had him written off a different way, probably. And, you know, now we have Dryden Voss appearing in the Clone Wars, even just briefly on screen. Same thing, too, with um, with Kanan. Kanan's in the start of one episode. No way. Yeah, it's I, I think it's the first part of the Siege of Mandalore. It's really quick at the start of, like, episode... That would have been episode nine. Okay. It shows them in a briefing room, and his master is there. I, I recently just read one of the volumes of his comic, so I, I recognize his master, Depa Balaba, who only appeared in episode one, I think, of the movies. But anyways, there's a blinking, you'll miss it moment. She's there in, in hollow form, and he's standing there beside her. You know, he's still just a really young child at this point. That's hilarious that I catch the blue snaggletooth. It was literally two seconds, but I missed like a key character like Kanan. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, he's a kid still, right? So it's, it's easy to miss it. But Yeah, wicked, man. I'll have to check that out again. That's cool. But yeah, overall, like I felt I only only really needed the last four episodes of the season, but I'm, I'm glad that they were able to bring it to a proper end, too. Filoni's always been kind of bummed that he didn't get the chance to wrap things up, and you know now he can put that behind him as well. And I want to jump back to Solo just real quickly. Yeah, sure, yeah. I'm glad that 
dad Dave Filoni kind of was on the fan side, right? Putting Dryden Voss in there and talking about Crimson Dawn and saying, no, you know what? Solo was a good story. You know, I'm sorry that the masses didn't like it, but us Star Wars fans do. So here's Dryden Voss, here's Crimson Dawn, and we're talking about it still. So I like that, man. I really do. And the way they did it too, like it, it was nothing for him to sneak that in there either. Like that's a pretty no risk thing. You know, most people might miss it, but yeah. you know, those of us who like Solo and want to see that continue on, and there is a lot of us, would be like, oh crap, like, like they'll get all up in arms and get all excited about it. And that's the kind of thing that leads to, you know, a groundswell social media movement to get that to the creators ears and let us let them know that we want more of this i wish they would do another one at least one more to finish off the story i think solo was so great and had so many awesome characters there's such great potential to not even just do a solo thing but to have a jabba's bounty hunters thing going on like oh yeah because the solo did so much to set up him going to work for jabba and you know we know that he screwed things up for Jabba later on and, you know, to show him working alongside, you know, the likes of Boba Fett and things like that for for a few years. That's a great story in itself. Like, it doesn't have to be focused just on Han. I mean, that's one story I would like to see. I mean, the Kessel Run is cool, but that's more of, like, a, a legend thing. But I would like to actually see his interactions with Jabba and dumping of the spice and all that kind of stuff and, and why he's wanted so much. Clearly, that was set up to be, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, they're like, oh, all these all these movies are going to connect. Because the, the movie ends on such a cliffhanger on many notes. Like, what happens to Kira? She's a great character, and, you know, she's just gone. Love to see Emilia Clark come back from over. Clark, yeah, she's gorgeous, and she's a fantastic actor in everything that she does. And I think she played that character great. That fight between her and Voss at the end, and, you know, all the, the subtle emotions on her face while she's kind of lying and betraying Han. You never kind of know who's lying and who's cheating and who's dis- deceiving you know we all know han isn't but is dried in his lando you know it's really cool it's a really different way to look at star wars and i really like the criminal organization aspect of it i, I love the gangster stories in star wars and i i, I want to see more of that so i was looking forward to a solo part two and three not necessarily to continue the adventures of young han solo but to see all these gangsters right to have not only that syndicate of, of crime cartels, but to have Maul at the, at the head of it too, right? Like, that's such a great premise in itself. And it's great that he says in the Clone Wars, uh, Maul, he say, he knows his place. You know, where she's like, oh, then who's going to rule you? But he says kind of to the effect that he knows his place. And he's not strong enough to rule the galaxy, right? He's just kind of where he needs to be. He's in his own element, right? Trying to do anything else has not worked out great for him at this point, so... Yeah, but he knows he's never going to be an emperor right he's just that's just not who he is he's not that strong right yeah that ship sailed before palpatine had total control of the galaxy so yeah he he knows that he can't i also love the line where he says that him and dooku were pawns that was actually one of the best parts i think of the whole thing you know like like aside from bringing ahsoka back into it the things they did with maul like having him realize palpatine's plans see the writing on the wall when literally no one else can yeah just like learning the truth about him and dooku just being you know how little they actually knew and how much Palpatine was planning beyond them. Just so much dramatic irony, too. That scene with uh, with Mace Windu and, and, and Ahsoka, when she's like, she has the answers that would change everything in, in Revenge of the Sith. And if she just said one word to them, you yeah. know, that just, just let them in a little bit on some of these things. Yeah. You know, so much could have changed. It was so painfully beautiful to watch. It was, and it really made me um, enjoy her character more. 
I thought Ahsoka was always cool, but I was never a huge like fan fan of Ahsoka. But this season definitely made me a big fan of hers. So yeah, I'm I'm all for seeing her in the Mandalorian as long as the story suits it. You really think about it. Who's she going to go up against? Moff Gideon. We haven't seen Moff Gideon really in action much. I mean, he might have some bad moves, but Ahsoka's pretty pretty tough, man. Like, who's going to defeat her? You know what I mean? She's so powerful. Yeah, for sure. Like, that'd be interesting in itself. Yeah, like, with, with Moff Gideon, like, having the dark side, but it's more of, like, a status symbol. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be able to hold a candle to anybody in a sword fight, necessarily. Like, he's an intense dude and everything, and he's a military man, he's a Moff, he's not He's not some pushover, but at the same time, you're wielding a lightsaber and you're not a Jedi. Going up against a Jedi with two lightsabers, you're, you're screwed. <laughs> so you think he's just, like, how a general has a sword, but he never uses it kind of thing? You think it's just, like, a status? For me, that was just, like, a symbol of him having taken over Mandalore, like, that was their way of showing us, yeah, this this purge you've been hearing about. Moff Gideon is is behind that, and we'll be getting into right. this. Like that, that that's him lording his victory over the Mandalorians, basically. Because I mean, they had to show it some way, right? But I was kind of thinking when he emerges from the Tie Fighter, he has it lit. And he's kind of looking around, like, okay, where's this guy? I'm gonna friggin' stab him. That's He'll what I kind up, of yeah. took out of it. So I thought he's got to be able to fight a little bit. But I guess yeah, you're right. If they just show the hilt, not everyone's gonna get what that is. You've got to show it ignited, right? So we say, hey, that's a that's a black lightsaber, and that's one of a kind. And blah, blah, it's like what happened to Bo-Katan, because she was the one who had it last. Yeah. So many questions raised by just having him pop out of that TIE fighter with it. I can't remember his actor's name. I feel bad. However, I will say that, of course, everyone's seen Breaking Bad, and his portrayal of Gus on Breaking Bad is, he's one of the all-time greatest villains. Like, he's such a wicked actor. He kind of reminds me of, he has the same intensity and intimidation as like a jack nicholson you know what i mean like you'd be really freaked out to talk to this guy because he's so intense great casting choice like it would have been like he's that class of actor like richard e grant in rise of skywalker like yeah there's no one else that that those guys could play in star wars besides this hardened like imperial man yeah and i love his speech at the end when he kind of basically he gives us the origin stories of all the characters he goes through each character and kind of gives us their profile, but I love his speech and how he talks about the, the, the canon and what it does. And oh, he's just so, he's so evil, man. I, I really like him. He's, he's one of my favorite villains. Yeah. I'm dying to see more of, it, of him in that season too, for sure. Like it's wide open at this point, like, like what they can do, but there, like there's even ways that they can get into like Revan's backstory through season two, you know, sending Jin off to learn about the warlocks as, as the armor called them. Mm. Like, like you can get into the whole Mandalorian Jedi war from 4,000 years before that, when Revan crushed yep. the Mandalorians, that, that could be a back backdoor way of setting up Revan projects or old Republic projects. Revan is that anomaly that they kind of dangle in front of us. Hardcore fans, you know, where it's like, we know you love him. He only comes around once every five years. <laughs> you know, we'll put him in this game real quick. We'll put him in galaxy heroes real quick. Uh, we'll bring out a figure every 10 years. Yeah. Here's a lightsaber. Good luck in trying to get it, but it, we did make one. <laughs> <laughs> they dangle it in front of us, but they just won't put him in any kind of canon role. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm all down for them teasing us a little bit because it says to me that they're taking the time to find the right time to do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're not going to just rush to do it to cash in. They're going to take their time and find the right spot. To tie it all back in, actually, with what we were talking about earlier with Boba Fett, like, I feel like they could have brought him in earlier and it could have just been a cheap payoff thing. 
but they've waited this long until you know the first trilogy of movies is over and we're getting into the second wave and now they're potentially trotting him out now like says to me that they're at least thinking about how well they can use these valuable assets instead of just throwing them out there and making a bunch of cash let me ask you something here do you think at some point during the mandalorian's show i mean it'll probably go on for at least 10 seasons i can't see it being anything less <laughs> do you think we'll ever see luke and how would they do luke if this child is the key to it seems to be the key to everything clearly the empire wants it um for palpatine probably to keep him alive or whatever um that's just my thoughts but how can something this monumental happen and luke not be involved how are they going to do something with mark hamill I mean, are they going to do like that, like they did in Rise of Skywalker, where they CG an actor, like his face on it? Like that could be rough. Well, the one the one person whose name always comes up when you talk about um, Luke Skywalker stories set between the trilogies is Sebastian Stan, Bucky Barnes from the MCU. Oh yeah, because yep. they are they do look very similar. Like it's on the same level as the casting for for Adam Driver. You know, put him side by side with with Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. And he looks like their child, for sure. Yeah. Same kind of thing with Sebastian Stan and Mark Hamill. Like, the two of them look very similar, or at least what Mark Hamill looked like at Sebastian's age. So I think that's one big option. Right. They could have him either just play Luke or kind of do what Billy Lord did for Carrie Fisher in Rise of Skywalker, where she, like, filmed the scene and they kind of imposed the face. That's all, That's riskier, though, to do that. Like, that didn't quite pay off for me the first time seeing Rise of Skywalker, so I'm not sure how well it would pay off doing that with two unrelated actors that really stood out for me that was really you remember the first time when you saw rogue one and tarkin's back is to us and you see his reflection in the window Mm -hmm. and you're like wow that's cool and then he turns you around you're like holy shit they just did that that's kind of the same moment i had when i saw because i wasn't expecting to see a, a younger luke and uh younger leia it was cool but at the same time unsettling yeah like i actually had the thought in a theater for rise of skywalker that did they just take her battlefront 2 face and slap it on the movie now having rewatched it i, I, I see what they kind of did with billy lord's frame and carrie's like digital face for Rogue one and for example like those ones the more you stare at it it's 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 the uncanny valley right like this is where you start to like the more the more you look at it the more you can kind of see the holes in it and yeah. Let me ask you, what would you do then? What's going to get you the best response? You're going to get crucified no matter what you do as a filmmaker. So you CG somebody, and it doesn't matter if they've passed or not. So Mark Hamill. Uh, you CG uh, Return of the Jedi-ish, Mark Hamill. And it kind of looks bad, but it looks like Luke. Or you get a brand new actor around that age that doesn't look perfect, but you know it's Luke Skywalker. Which one do you go with, man? Either way, you're going to get a shitload of people yelling at you. That's the thing with every decision in Star Wars. You have to consider that there's people who are going to yell at you just for the sake of yelling at you. So you have to kind of go all in with whatever you do. And yeah. I think the safer bet for that would be to cast somebody else. Because it's I, a heftier job to de-age Mark Hamill enough to look like you know he's between the movies. It also depends on how much they're planning to, to do with him if they are planning to do anything with him at all. Like if he's going to be you know flipping around and everything like that, you know it's easy enough to kind of cowboy swap that out. Yeah, no, I, I would personally think they're better off casting you know a sebastian stan or someone having him work with mark hamill you know to kind of coach mannerisms and things like that like 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 they did with alden ehrenreich right yeah i think alden did a great job and i actually talked about this on my last live stream how when i watched solo i didn't see an actor trying to act like harrison ford i didn't see that which was great i saw han solo i really did so yeah just 
as long as they don't try and act like that actor, as long as they try and act like the character, and there is quite a bit of difference in acting if you're trying to act like a person or act like a character. So Alden did a great job. He doesn't look exactly like Harrison Ford. That's impossible. Like, nobody looks like, you know, he can't do that. No, he's, he's not a clone. It was believable. Like, I, I totally thought it was Han. And I'm with you there. I would rather see somebody pick up the reins and be Luke Skywalker. I, I'm okay with that because it would serve the story. Um, you can even do like a, have him in like a, a cloak with the hood up and half his face like shadowed over, right? You could kind of do that as well. Fit, that fits his uh, Return of the Jedi aesthetic, so. Yeah, I mean, Luke's all in black now. Well, it's six years later, but I'm, I'm sure he's still rocking the, the black. And you could just do like, yeah, like half cloaked. I mean, if Luke's just in it for a little bit. But at some point, you're going to have to bring in one of the major major characters if you're going down that all-powerful force route. Or just so many of the stories they could tell in the 30 years between the movies would rely on one of them popping up, and you're going to have to recast any of the original trilogy people at, th- at this point. They've, they've done their thing, and they're not going to come back for a Disney Plus show set 15 years before the timelines just don't match up, real-world versus in-world. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to do it eventually, so I'd, I'd rather see them pick you know somebody and have them commit to playing Luke for a cameo in this series and like let's say a, a Luke and Ben series or something like pick a new Luke Skywalker for this era yeah and you know really have him hone it really have him get in that in that space and, and own it actually now that I really think about it it's going to be addressed in season two how can it not be how can Ahsoka not talk about Luke Skywalker like I would love to see those two characters meet to have Luke learn about his father who he really was and who better to learn yeah. from that's still alive right yeah you can have you can bring hayden back those rumors have been going around since the 80s <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. the was coming back. so have him you have visit luke as a spirit or whatnot and, and maybe the three of them that would be insane man that would blow everyone's mind but yeah to have ahsoka come back in season two and not mention a skywalker that's not going to happen she's going to mention it at some point she has to I would imagine at least that's going to be something kind of vague and uh, and subtle, like the way they did with the Jedi in the last episode of The Mandalorian, right? I, I don't even remember if they actually used the word Jedi. Like they, they called them sorcerers or warlocks or something. Like, And we know who they're talking about. Yeah. You know, she could talk about him without talking about him specifically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And again, it all depends on what Filoni has planned for her anyways, because the way Rebels ended, it seems like he wants to do more you know, with her ongoing rebels sets up a lot of potential for a future project with, uh, with Sabine and Soka going out to find Ezra and, and potentially Thrawn as well. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I just, like I was saying earlier, I don't want them to go down this safe route and keep bringing back characters that are safe because for them to be, think about this for them to be so successful with the Mandalorian and take the child out of it, because even if that child wasn't in the show, the fact that you can make a char- a main character who is incapable of any facial expressions and we can feel for that character, that's some damn good writing. Oh yeah, like like look at episode two of season one, where there's like hardly any dialogue for yeah. most of the episode anyways, and like it probably wasn't even Pedro Pascal for half of it. Yeah. And it, it came through clear as day. You're like, you're absolutely right. Like they did a really impressive thing. It was cool to see the you know, the remnants of the Empire and how they're garbage now and you know the troopers are dirty and and they're kind of like outlaws and scattered i really i really like that um but i don't i don't think they need to keep bringing back these main characters again you know i hope they prove me wrong but it's just as a star wars fan you know we're talking about what you want to see this is what i want to see i want 
new characters and new adventures and you can reference luke skywalker and all that i think it's great but unless it's integral to the story you know we don't need it right yeah yeah well and it won't be too long now until we actually get to see it because time keeps slipping like it's already may somehow <laughs> so, yeah you know it'll be october before we know it i thought for sure may 4th we'd get like a 30 second teaser or something but that would have been nice Although there is there is that um, that special documentary on Disney Plus about the show, I haven't actually watched it yet. I'm kind of waiting just for, until it's over to watch it all. Oh yeah, I haven't checked it out yet. There should be some good tippets in there. Probably not, you know, season two stuff, but you know, behind the behind the scenes, like have have, have you seen the sets they used for it? Yeah, it's those, crazy. Those those crazy interior sets, like it looked like they were in the middle of nowhere half the time, but they're really just in a soundstage with this weird projection technology. It was incredible. Yeah, it looked like almost like everything. Well, the way the still pictures were that a lot of this stuff was almost like shoulder height. It was really weird looking. Like, I've never seen anything like that before. How they, they gave the illusion of this big outside world, and yet, yeah, they're on a sound stage. Like, I would have never guessed that. And they did this for a TV show, too. Like, it's crazy the, the production that's gone into this thing. Each one's almost like a movie's worth of production. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Star Wars, right? And uh, it's known for the cutting-edge effects. So if you're going to have a TV show... Yeah, you, you, you got to go all out. I think Disney knew that too. Um, what are you, just? I want to get your thoughts while we're talking about Disney TV shows. Have you heard anything about the Cassian Andor show at all? Uh, kind of like still going, or oh, it's still going. And uh, well, it depends on how production's been affected by COVID nineteen. But yeah, um, they since everything's kind of started, they've said it takes place like five years before New Hope or something like that. Oh, okay. Alan Tudyk's supposed to be involved. There's been some talk about you know who's in, on the production team and things like that. I have yeah. a feeling they probably would have told us more about it by this point if everything hadn't gone south. Oh, okay. Everything is still ongoing for that. They've been like it seems like it's progressing well. Whereas Kenobi has had more rewrites to the script and things like that. So Cassian's in, seems to be in better shape. That yeah, that was the second official one. Went back when the Yoda and the Boba Fett rumors were going around. That was, and they finally came out and said, yeah, it's Cassian Andor. And I was like really yeah. <laughs> why <laughs> but it's also like really exciting there's so much you can do with that too right the casting was a really well it, everyone in rogue one was a really interesting character that we didn't get enough time with but um just having this uh i, I have a feeling we talked about this before actually when you've been on before but one in one or two lines of, of an argument in rogue one he drops all this stuff that that leaves a lot of potential for future stories like having been raised by a separatist family and everything like that um just the dynamic of a of a, of a true spy in the in the, in the rebel alliance could be really interesting and he's a great charismatic actor i felt and alan tudyk back for as k2so right like i i'm not a casting andor fan it's not that i dislike the character i just i didn't find him particularly interesting but to go along with what you said it, it is cool to see someone of the rebel alliance you know do horrible things too and we see him in rogue one murder somebody in the alleyway right like it's it's pretty heavy stuff man i just you know, you, you would have thought out of all the characters that would have been like Chirrut and Baze that would have got their own show or something, you know, because those two would have gone on some crazy adventures. But why they chose Cassian? But hey, they know what they're doing, right? So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. But, uh, and again, yeah. hopefully it won't be too long. Who knows with production schedules being so drastically changed. But with the world on hold, yeah. Well, anyways, I think that's going to do it for today. Thanks for coming on the show, man. It's great to talk to you again. Oh, anytime, buddy. Yeah, I love being on the show. And man, we could talk about Star Wars for days. Oh, so, it never ends for sure. Where yeah. can people find you? And uh, what's the latest update on your big, awesome project? Uh, so Action Figure Adventure, we have sold it. It will be shown on Jinx Esports TV in Canada. 
And we're also trying to sell it around the world like we did Nintendo Quest. So it's going to be hopefully premiering in the fall in Canada here. The problem right now is the last portion, which is the auction, was all set to go for May 2nd on Free Comic Book Day. And of course, because of uh, the pandemic, that's that had to be put on hold. So that's the last piece we need to shoot. Other than that, uh, things are going great. Um, so Facebook is the best spot. So Facebook, just search Action Figure Adventure, or you guys can always reach out to me, just Jay Bartlett on Facebook. I try and get back to as many people as I can, and I do appreciate all the comments and all the nice things that uh, everyone has to say about Action Figure Adventure and Nintendo Quest. So thank you. Actually, funny story. I was uh, flipping through the on-demand thing on my TV last night, closed it down, or I brought up the TV guide on my on my, on my my bell box, saw that, that Nintendo Quest was airing on that Jinx station. I had no idea I even got the station. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, oh, wait, snap. Oh, oh, like, hold on. Go, 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 go to that channel. And sure enough, like, there's one of the episodes. I had no idea it was actually airing on that channel. Yeah. Yeah. We cut it uh, episodic for Jinx, which is cool. So it's no longer features in episodes. Um, we also have a follow up, which is called The Power Tour, which is basically a documentary on the documentary. So it's a documentary on us where we toured the film across North America. And Rob and I get into some adventures on that. So I think that's on Jinx as well. But all this stuff is available on robmccallumfilms.com. Or again, just search us up on Facebook and we'll uh, we'll get back to you. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jay. Thanks, Chris. Anytime, man. May the force be with you. Well, it's, uh, it's time to sign off. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it and tell a friend. Our network of Star Wars shows is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are free. With new episodes every third Friday. Don't forget to subscribe on your service of choice so you never miss a new discussion. And please consider supporting us on Patreon to help shape the show and access bonus content. Got a question or comment on today's episode or anything else in the Star Wars universe? Drop us a line on Twitter at Kyber Club or on Facebook and Instagram at Quarter Portion Podcast. Your opinions and questions are worth 60 portions to us. Ask a question and we'll gladly answer it on the show. You can find me on Twitter at Django Fletch. And on YouTube at Wilderness Wisdom. And I'm on Twitter at Hookathy. Until the next time, may you be one with the Force. And may the Force be with you. The Quarter Portion Podcast is sponsored by Heroes Comics, Southwestern Ontario's largest comic book and collectible store. Located in the heart of downtown London at 186 Dundas Street, Heroes specializes in new and vintage comics, along with action figures, statues, and collectibles of all types. Whether you're looking for Star Wars comics and toys, or the latest graphic novels, manga, and trade paperbacks, Heroes has something for fans of all stripes. For more information, visit heroescomics.ca. This has been a production of the Quarter Portion Podcast Network.